cancelled priests. An interview with Father John Lovell by David Rodriguez. There is a grave crisis in the church today, and one of the clearest signs is that our good priests, faithful to church teachings, pro-life, devoted to Our Lady, are being cancelled unjustly by bishops. So what can you do? We also invite you to come to our conference, Fatima, the moment has come, in Manchester, New Hampshire, over Christ the King weekend, October 29th and 30th, in the year of our Lord, 2022, where you can also meet Father John Lovell in person. Praise be Jesus and Mary. I'm David Rodriguez, content director for the Fatima Center, and I'm at the Catholic Identity Conference in Pittsburgh, 2022, and I uh, have a wonderful guest that I'd like to talk to, Father John Lovell. Welcome. Thank you. I think this is the first time you might be on one of our Fatima Center interviews. Yes. I'm hoping not to last. Very good. Thank you, Father. That's good news to hear about off. If you would maybe begin us with a prayer, please. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful, O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So just for our listeners and viewers to know, uh, we want to get to know Father Lovell a little bit, and the ministry that he is working with, and then might even be able to tie that in a little bit to Fatima. And if we don't get enough of that, that might be one of the future discussions we can have. So, Father, I guess if you could just start out by just letting us know a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're a priest, when you were ordained, and how you came to be. Some of you might recognize his name or his face as a member of the group Coalition of Council Priests. What is the Council Priest? Also, kind of all in that one question. Well, it's a question that I get often, who am I? And my name is Father John Lovell. I am a priest of the Diocese of Rockford in Illinois. I'm originally from Chicago. I am a diocesan priest. I was canceled about 10 years ago when the new bishop of my diocese 10 years ago came in. Uh, there's no accusation against me. There's no allegation. He basically just called me into his office one day and said that he's been hearing rumors. He was only bishop for a few weeks at this point, and he tried to suspend me. And when Rome overturned that suspension, he withdrew it, and the very next day tried a very tricky way of getting rid of me. He said that I'm restricted in a non-penal, non-judicial way, whatever that means. And ever since then, I've been fighting for my good name. And about a year and a half ago, when about the 12th priest in the Diocese of Rockford was being attacked by this same bishop, we decided to form a coalition. And it's actually a lay-run, lay-based group. It's the Coalition for Canceled Priests. I'm the only priest on the board. And we wanted to have a coalition that would support priests and be able to give them not only the material support that they need in order to have lawyers and canon lawyers, because even canon lawyers can be expensive, but that they could just get by 
with the basic needs. We had some priests that were living in cars. We had some priests that were living on their parents' couches. And we wanted them to make sure that they knew that they had a place to stay if they needed it. They had money if they needed food. And they didn't have to worry about those things. And then even above and beyond that, we wanted to be a coalition that did reparation, that did prayer, penance, and especially fasting for priests in order to bring them back into ministry because we think that's so important. And in that year and a half, we're helping about 40 priests right now. We're about one new priest every eight days that we're helping. And a lot of people say, well, what is a canceled priest? Or they'll often say to me, what's the difference between a canceled priest that has done something wrong and a canceled priest that's not done anything wrong? And I always like to define what we mean by cancel and cancel culture. And so I'll often ask the person that's asking me that question, well, how would you define cancel culture and somebody being canceled? And they're saying, well, somebody who's standing up for the truth, who's being eliminated, usually by the left, almost always by the left, in fact, and that uh, they're being removed because they've done nothing wrong. I said, exactly. That's what a canceled priest is. We help priests that have done nothing wrong. And in fact... Almost all the priests that we're helping aren't even suspended. They're just simply removed in this non-penal, non-judicial way. Yeah, I, I mean, I want to kind of touch on that because that, I think, is a very, I think, a difficult thing to understand. I mean, I've been around priests all my life, been in the seminary, etc. But so I think when we say suspended, what is normally understood, correct me if I'm wrong, is that to some degree the priest faculties have been withdrawn. And, and there can be a gambit there, like you can only say a private mass, you can't say mass at all, you can't wear clerics, you can't hear confessions. So, so there's a lot of spectrum there. And even if a priest is, let's say, suspended, you still don't know the specifics. Correct. But let's say that there is a canonical penalty against them because he's committed a crime, a, a canonical crime, yeah. or, or a moral crime. He's done something, and so there's a case, there's a trial, if you will, there's fairness, and, and you're supposed to at least have that. And then if the priest is, let's say, found guilty, then the bishop could issue a, a kind of suspension to penalize him. And so you're saying that now what's happening is they're circumventing that whole process, Correct. that legal process, the sort of the innocence, and they're just sort of saying, because I don't like what you're doing, and very often there, there could be a lot of things, but a lot of times it's just pro-life. Yes. You're very orthodox, you're holding the true faith. I mean, some priests might even just have uh, too much of a Marian piety, as if that's possible. You know, they're out there, maybe in front of the abortion mills, praying, or, or things of that, or, or their sermons were too strong because it said you shouldn't have contraception. Or I mean, all these things that if someone in authority doesn't like, they can't suspend you because there's no crime. And so they're doing, they're just not giving you a parish assignment, and they're saying for non-penal non-juridical reasons. Yes. And so it's like anything I want kind of goes here. Exactly. Um, it seems like a will to power, sort of a tyrannical thing, really. And we're seeing this, and it was obviously in the church well before the Dallas Charter and uh, Protecting God's Children, which is now 20 years old. But they basically instituted that, not so much to protect children. I'm saying something very audacious here. I understand that. But I think they actually did that to go after solid priests. Because you're absolutely right. You cannot be suspended unless you committed a crime, unless you committed a delict, as it says in Latin. And when you have not done that, a bishop, according to canon law, cannot take away a priest's faculties, especially to hear confessions, just willy-nilly, just because he feels like it or he doesn't like it. And what's interesting about my case, the little information that we have on it, is that I've had canon lawyers 
lawyers, psychologists look at the paperwork that we've been giving and it's scant. And I said, can you tell me what I did wrong? And they said, Father, and this is all independent of each other, but all of them said the same thing. Father, it doesn't look like you've done anything wrong or they think you've done something wrong. They think that you might do something wrong. Wow. And you have to know, David, this is that all of us, and now we're getting into Thomistic theology here, moral theology, we're all capable of great sin. We're all capable of doing something. Yes, we are. But we don't condemn somebody, we don't judge somebody, and we certainly don't punish somebody because they might do something wrong. And we certainly don't want to be punishing our good priests. Exactly. As a lady, we want our good priests that are helping us. Um, No, I think a lot of viewers to the Fatima Center are familiar with some of these things because our founder... Father Gruner, who passed away, may God rest his soul, in 2015, a lot of that was done against him. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, you know, we could say he too had been canceled. Things had been said about him that were not true. He often said, I've committed no crime, yet they are trying to suspend me. They're trying to do these things. And he, he was, uh, by God's grace and by the Holy Ghost, you know, he always did have a bishop and he always did have faculties from a bishop. He did have to fight a lot, and the thing he had to fight the most, though, I think, which still exists out there, and we do have some videos that address this, from Father Gunnar and from others, is the calumny. So a lot of times what I think frustrates me so much with a good priest, and probably every council priest has experienced to some level calumny. So calumny is that sin whereby we say untruths, we lie about someone and destroy their reputation thereby it. And so, with Father Gruner, a lot of people said he was suspended, that he didn't have faculties, and that was never true. Mm-hmm. And Father Gruner and uh, Christopher Ferrara, canon lawyer, uh, legal lawyer, would say things like, um, we have the paperwork here, it shows, and, and there's no paperwork ever citing his crime, citing mm-hmm. his suspension, which the church does. If you have a crime and you have a suspension, there's, there's official paperwork. And the laity often doesn't know this, so they don't go looking for it. Right? They don't actually ask. You just hear. It could even be that you hear it from a priest or from the bishop's chancery office. Well, so-and-so father has, has been bad, disobedient, yeah. and so he's been punished, and he has no faculties. And then the people just believe it. And a lot of times, that's actually not true. I mean, I encourage everyone, you hear that about a priest, especially if you think he might be a good priest, you have to ask, well, where is the paperwork? Where is the document? Because the church documents these things. Until, I guess, they're getting around this now with this non-penal, non-juridical thing, because then there is no need for a crime to be committed, and, and that really does violate the rights of, of the priests, and that's an injustice. I mean, that's a very difficult situation. I know that we can support priests who are in these difficult situations, right? Yes. I don't know if you want to mention anything about... Oh, and I, I mean, I was very impressed at the presentation I heard you uh, give, I believe it was with Father Duvall. Correct. Where, you sim- where Father Duvall went into very great detail on how if a priest contacts you so that he could qualify for aid from the coalition, there's a rigorous, I won't even go into all the steps, but it was a very rigorous process by which they made sure that he hadn't violated the moral law of the law, God's Ten Commandments, that he hadn't violated canon law and church law, and he certainly hadn't violated civil law. Correct. And, I mean, the amount of references they get, both priests, both laity, and then cross-references, and get more references, and the way they do their due diligence in calling all them, and they get the whole paperwork. Yeah. So there's obviously a folder, so that once someone gets into the coalition, they have been about as vetted as you can to make sure that, because you're not going to be helping priests who, for example, grossly violated the Sixth Commandment, the vows of Celibacy, for example, and that's why they got punished, or out there saying heretical things mm. of that sort. Um, so that's also very important. But then people can still help the priests, and I think we need to help the priests. Anything you'd like to... Well, it, it's very report. interesting, which a lot of people need to know, especially for priests that are still active, is that 
in canon law, and I'm not a canon lawyer and I cannot cite canon law chapter and verse or, or canon and verse, but I can tell you this is that in canon law it specifically says that a priest should be carrying with him what's called a celebrant. And basically what that is is it is a letter presented by the bishop to the priest so that when the priest goes outside of his diocese and wants to celebrate Mass at another parish or maybe goes on pilgrimage to Rome at like St. Peter's, he could say, look, here is the document saying that I am a priest in good standing. And they usually make it where it's a credit card size so it fits in your wallet. And it's stamped and it's official, it looks very nice. The bishops of this country have decided to stop doing that. And what they've decided to do now is, many of them, is to say to the active priest, if you need to go to a wedding somewhere else or you need to go on pilgrimage somewhere, you write us two weeks before, we will send you a letter saying that you're a priest in good standing. And many dioceses will only accept a letter like that if it's less than 30 days old. Now, a celebrant usually was one year old. You would get a new one every year. Now it's only 30 days old. And now what's happening, we have a lot of canceled priests who have not even been restricted in a non-penal, non-judicial way. They're just simply not given a letter of good standing. And again, in canon law, that, that term, in good standing, doesn't exist. You know, So we, there are many active priests that can't even come to conferences like the one you and I are at because the bishop will say, I'm not going to give you a letter saying that you can celebrate Mass in the Diocese of Pittsburgh. And I know it's a terrible analogy, but just to sort of bring it home, I think it's because you said it's the size of that credit card driver's license. Yeah. I mean, imagine if any time you wanted to travel away from your home out of state or out mm -hmm. of city, you had to apply to the government to get a paper that says, yes, you know, you may leave, you've got a good record, whatever, and it used to be you had a license, so you could just do this, yes. which is how we have it now. But what if they change that and we become more communistic, more errors of Russia, where it's like, no, you know, you want to travel 20 miles away from your house, you're going to get a special document. Yeah. And it needs to be current, it needs to be issued, and you've got to get it two weeks at a time. Because then we also know that, oh, sometimes we forgot the paperwork got through heaven, we just couldn't give you this document in time. You don't have that document, so you couldn't even travel. I mean, we would feel extremely restrictive as, let's say, American citizens who you know, like to get in our cars and visit our family or go on a vacation or go to a chapel, a mass, what have you. We wouldn't be able to do those things. Yeah. And that's, in, in many ways, the priest is being restricted just in the very, what God has called them to do in helping us bring us the sacraments and sanctifying us, teaching us, helping guide us. Exactly. Yeah, that's, exactly. Well, um, last question, and maybe we'll touch on this a little bit later, but is there any connection that you see between the message that Our Lady brings us at Fatima and some of what's taking place with sort of the growing number of priests, good priests, that have been canceled? Absolutely. I think, especially when it comes to the coalition, what I mentioned earlier, what does Our Lady tell us at Fatima is that we need to do reparation. Okay, We need to do penance for what is going on in the world for the conversion especially of Russia all right and what the coalition is trying to do is that we're trying to live up to that we want to be a spiritually based organization our lady is our primary patron along with saint john the baptist saint joseph terror demons saint athanasius we want to make sure that first and foremost we are a spiritually based organization that is trying to help priests. And I told you this before, David, and I'll tell the audience, in my opinion, you cannot truly understand Fatima unless you read and study Our Lady of La Salette first and that apparition. And what we're seeing with that is that Our Lady of La Salette 
specifically said that cardinal will be against cardinal, bishop will be against bishop, and I think we're seeing that now, especially in the clergy, this infighting, bishop against clergy, bishop against his own priest, and we can't be like that. A bishop is supposed to be a father to his priests, but the bishops need to learn that their priests are not three-year-old sons, their priests are adult sons that are working with them. I was ordained and I took a promise, not a vow, I took a promise of obedience to my bishop to be a co-worker with him, not to be a servant, not to be a slave, but to be a co-worker with him. That's what the whole term presbyterate means. Presbyter comes from the Greek word meaning elder. We're supposed to be working with the bishop in sanctifying the diocese. And when you see good priests being sidelined, being canceled, what they're saying is, is we do not want a presbyterate. We want yes-men. And that's the last thing that any of us need. We need people that are going to stand up and proclaim the truth, especially when it comes to life, Mary, and the truths of our faith, the deposit of faith. Family and marriage. Family and marriage. Which is also greatly under attack right now. And that's Absolutely. Family. You know, one thing that you started out by saying reparation, the first thing I thought of, and perhaps it's because tomorrow is first Saturday, uh, this video may come out after that, obviously, but hopefully everyone's fulfilling the first Saturday devotion every every first Saturday every month. Um, Our Lady spoke of the many thorns in her heart. Yes. Now we have to offer this reparation to remove those thorns. And it, honestly, it just happened right now as we were talking that I thought to myself, how we often call these good priests Mary's sons, yes. Our Lady's sons. So if her beloved sons who obviously have a special place, we're all her children, but her priests have a special place for her heart, her immaculate heart, if they're suffering this way, how are those not some of the thorns that are piercing her heart? Absolutely. Well, I would say the greatest thorn that pierces the immaculate heart of Mary is abuse and sacrilege against the Blessed Sacrament, against her son's own body. And then I would also say it is attacks on priests that are trying to be holy. So often we're we're called by people, and we kind of blush at this. We're saying, oh, these holy priests. And, well, we're working towards holiness. That's what I always like to say. We haven't gotten there yet. Uh, we're trying to be holy. You know, And I always want to remind people is that priests, good priests, solid priests, are always attempting to be better and to become saints, just like everybody else. And that we have to support them. We have to realize that they're part of our families. And that we... If we don't give them our full support, the church will collapse. Because you lose the priest, you lose the Eucharist, you lose the Eucharist, we lose the church. Uh, and then Fatima, Our Lady said, only she can help us now. Yes. So we're going to have to turn to her to help her priest sons as well. I mean, I know our Lord spoke of the five specific sins against the Immaculate Heart of Mary that we offer reparation for on first Saturdays. Uh, you can check the Fatima Center's website for those five, which are obviously going to be center because our Lord said them. But by the same token, we know that there are many thorns that pierce her heart, as we've just said, her priests. So we offer reparation for that. We can unite ourselves spiritually to, to what you're doing. And again, just to remind everyone, I mean, we are in a tough spot right now. It's a very difficult time in the church, but Our Lady has given us the answer. So we continue to speak of, just remember, we have an acronym. I don't know if you've heard it yet, but it's Roman Catholic SOS. It's easy to remember because we've got to send an SOS up to heaven, Father, and we're Roman Catholics. Exactly. And we say, if you can just remember those five things, obviously the message of Fatima is profound and it's the entire gospel. But if you can just kind of remember the R for Roman Catholics for your rosary, say your rosary every day, the C of Roman Catholics for consecration, we've got to pray for the consecration of Russia and our own personal consecration. The S is for the scapular, which Our Lady extended to the whole world, wants everyone to wear her brown scapular. The O is to offer prayer and penance, the reparation for our priests, for the Pope, 
doing our daily duty. And then the last, last S of SOS is for the Saturday, the first Saturday, mm-hmm. in which we offer this reparation specifically for a Magna Heart. So for all Catholics, please follow that. The RC, Roman Catholic, SOS, that is the only solution that's going to save the world now. We've got to get serious about our interior life. Our priests are suffering. The people are suffering. But Our Lady's going to triumph. That's the good news. Our Lady triumphs, and there will be this rain of her immaculate heart. Absolutely. And with that, Father, maybe if you'd give us your blessing. Absolutely. Right before I say that, I encourage everyone, if you do five decades of the rosary every day, increase it to 15. We need to be a rosary-praying warriors. And if you can do 15 decades a day, please do it. It's so important. It's great that you do five. Better if you can do 15. With that said, Dominus Fobiscum. Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis Pater, Efidi et Spiritus Sancti, Descender Supervos, Mani et Semper. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much, David. Have a great day. This presentation has been brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. For more resources regarding the spiritual life, the Catholic faith, and the message of Fatima, and to support this vital apostolate with a donation, please visit our website, Fatima.org, or call us at 1-800-263-8160. For the glory of God, the honor of Our Lady, and the salvation of many souls, Please share the Fatima message with everyone you know, and may Our Lady reward you. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us.